Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, guys, welcome back yet for another week's podcast, episode 200 and what, I, 213? I think it's 213. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Does that sound great? Sounds awesome. Sounds great. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and my good buddy, as always, Mr. Madman Mardik. What is up, big dog? What's good? What up, man? Another week of podcast, another week into hunting season. Things are good. Fall runs. Fishing is great, as always. I mean, dude, it doesn't get better than that, man. The leaves are changing. I think it was 40-something degrees this morning. Dude, life's good. Life's super good. Any day it's not raining, it's good nowadays. I get, dude, wind and rain. It's just like rain. the worst Every thing. Day. It's fucking Biden's fault. It is Biden's fault, I guess. <laughs> it's crazy I saw because the other day that it's rained, fourteen out of six day, sixteen weekends since June first, and it's all weekends. It's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Like, are you serious, dude? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, and it kills the hunting. Like. When you're self-filming, because, like, you know, we had this conversation the other day, like, hey, dude, like, I'm going to go hunting on Saturday, but it might rain, you know? So you kind of, like, you have that what-ifs, you know, in the the case. It's it's kind of annoying. Dude, I do have a serious question for you. Did – what's up with the moons? No, I'm not going to ask you that. (laughs) With the moons and the bucks showing up and what what's the story? What's what's going on, man? Did did it – early, late? What's up? Where where are we at with this? So he showed up. He did. Uh, he did. He showed up a little earlier than predicted based on the moon. So let me pull up my moon app real quick. So he showed up on the 22nd. Okay. In the, in the a.m. And so moon-wise, where is that? Is that was that moon-wise? It was like six days earlier than I wouldn't say predicted, but like had he held pattern from previous years, it was about six days early. I'm not complaining. I'm just glad he showed. I'm glad he showed, Um, too. It's good to know. But to add to that, as the time of this recording, it's the 27th. So now we are at the, you know, the two-day window, 27th, 28th, where in theory he should have shown up. He showed up for the second time today. And this morning, now there's a couple variables here, right? We had like three days of rain. The rain finally cleared out last night. You know, high pressure came in, temperature drop, leading into the full moon. So, like, all everything's kind of aligning. That camera went absolutely bananas this morning. Between him, another buck, and then, like, two other smaller, you know, year and a half and two and a half yeah. year old deer. So, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of showing. 
We're showing getting, a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's good though. At least you showed up, dude. I know it was a little bit nerve wracking, obviously, when you're waiting for a big shooter to show up and you know it not showing up, and then we figured out the moon phases, and then he just pops up. We talked about him, you know. You put it out in the universe, and here he comes, dude. Come tracking down the way. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that. All it takes to put it out in the universe. Let's talk about him in the back of my truck. <laughs> Put that out in the universe. <laughs> the luck of the podcast, so we talk about it, and then it makes it happen, dude. I guess that, hey, if we got to be that way, we'll, I'll do that. I'm all about it. I am down to be the star of a Tales from the Tailgate right yeah. now. <laughs> That's a full <laughs> episode, <laughs> YouTube video, like the whole nine, dude. I mean, this has all been setting up to be the, the grass is greener on the other pasture, you know? Like, it's just the way that we decided to do this, so. Yeah. We'll so the other cool thing is that other buck that I kind of alluded to that showed up, he's nowhere near the caliber of, of the one, but um, I do have history with him too. I actually passed him last year at like 16 yards mm-hmm. on, I don't remember, November 9th or something like that. Nice deer. Um, I probably would have shot him last year had I had not already filled one of my buck tags. Like if I had two buck tags, I probably would have shot right. him, but I gave him the pass. It was a good pass. And, um, I gave you shit he for it. You did. Um, but uh, that's what you do. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he's back to he, – he didn't put on a ton, but he's, he's a he, – like my dad he's would a shooter. say. He's a, like my dad would say, he's a nice animal. He's a nice animal. <laughs> we had that conversation, too, when we hunted the other day. Like, like my dad. Remember he was talking about shooting deer? He said, you ready to drag? And we know what that means. Like, anything that goes by, dude, it's a nice animal. <laughs> Spike but, um, horn. <laughs> it's a nice but animal. But, yeah, like I said, he's, is he a giant? No. But if he if he walks by me with two buck tags in my pocket, he, he he's might. He's going to get it this time. Or a unit, but. Wow. E.T. E.T. clogged up that one and saved his life, yeah. and he doesn't even know it yet, right? Yeah. So, uh, it's exciting, dude, especially with. You know, we're getting to the end of September, and like you said, the leaves are changing. You feel that high pressure. Mm-hmm. Temp- you know, you're waking up, and it's like upper 40s, hoodie weather. Like, it, it's starting to feel like deer season. I know, dude. It was crazy. I got up this morning uh, to go out hunting, and I'm like – I mean, I got up this morning to go fishing, and I'm like, dude, I should not be going hunt- uh, fishing this morning. I should be going hunting, dude. It was 40-something degrees, colder than hell. I'm like, dude, today is a hunting morning after a storm. It had been raining for three days. I'm like, dude, it's on. Like, I need to be going hunting, man. So I got all my gear packed. As we're as you guys are listening to this podcast, I'm just about to get out of work. 10, 11 o'clock, dude, I'm going to bust into the woods. Second hunt of the season. This is not normal for me, bro. I would have already had 10 sits. Like, it's killing me right now. Like, I'm – it's all right, though. So, I'm excited to be be getting in. Hopefully, something happens. We'll see what happens. I'm going to go check out a new piece of property. Let's see. Get that mobile Greg Sags. Like, we'll see what happens, dude. Pretty pumped. It's close to home, so it'll be a new home thing, dude. So, I'll be kind of pumped about that. But – and – in the fishing world, I'll just I'll spit that off real quick. I know some of you guys want to hear it. Some of you guys might not. Dude, fishing's been super tough. The storms with what's going on with the winds and the bait has just totally killed us, bro. Like this last storm with these heavy winds and this hurricane coming in, man, pushed the bait around. Fishing's been tough. Not a lot of bait around between the floodings in August to what is now. Like not a lot of bait, not a lot of topwater action. You're not really seeing as much craziness. They're there. I mean, we did pretty good this morning. Yesterday morning we did a 30-pounder. This morning we did a 20-pounder. Tons of schoolies, some good fish. But 
I want to be deer hunting, dude. I don't want to be stressing about catching fish right now. Like it's it's about to be October. Like it's it's frustrating, but we'll see. <clears throat> that camera that camera just went off right now. There's a doe. There's a doe standing, standing there. Oh, <laughs> killing me, bro. I'm glad I don't have cameras this year for that reason. I'd like, because you know how much worse it would be if I had ten cameras in the woods right now. You still soaking? Yeah, still soaking, dude. I figured the last good rain. I figured the last good rain really cleaned it up. I could probably go and check them out. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> are you a big soaker? No. <laughs> oh man. Well, dude, let's uh, let's break on into it. This is a pretty cool podcast for you guys. Like, this is this kind of hits home because it is in our home. Um, and something I feel as if you know, giving back to the community as we always do is. I think that this is a pretty cool thing that's got going on in our home state. You know, something we've always kind of hoped for. But it's good to hear about yeah. it. So, I, I I will say this. Obviously, this this is mostly pertains to Connecticut, and we have a lot of Connecticut based mm-hmm. listeners. But for all you people that are listening, no, we have Connecticut based Connecticut based haters. <laughs> Just they, they hate us because they hate us. Yeah. Uh, no, what I was gonna say, if you're if you're not in Connecticut, and this uh, episode's interesting to you, like think about maybe possibly looking into something similar that's already yeah. established in your state, or possibly maybe you know starting one of your own, uh, you know wherever you are. So it's yeah. it's really good good program going. It's kind of crazy, and I'll hit on this real quick. And there actually is someone in the state who takes donations. And has been doing it for quite some time in the state, but it's not an actual hunt to, you know, hunt to feed or hunters for the hungry. He does it mm. voluntarily, which is pretty cool too. Um, but and I did now that this podcast is about to come out. Actually, two days ago, there was the first donation, uh, and it did. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, yep. And it and and guess where it it went from? Where? Chikowski's. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it came, it went into Tchaikovsky. So pretty cool, dude. Good to hear. I mean, kind of awesome and 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 super super cool for you know Wes. Congrats, man. That, that that's awesome. First one and and congratulations for the person who's donating the first deer uh, to hunt to feed. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, before we break into it, let's get in with the sponsors real quick. We are presented by and title sponsored by Huntworth Huntworth Gear HuntworthGear.com. Guys, go and check it out. We're getting into the warmer weather. The Elkin is probably something you want to crack out right now. The Durham, you know, is still there, a little bit light, but the Elkin's where it's at. Think about that Hunt Boost, man. They got the new sweatshirt, the new Hunt Hunt Heat Boost. Heat Boost. What did I say? Hunt Boost. Oh, <laughs> the Heat Boost. Uh, the new Heat Boost sweatshirt. I don't know, man. I'm looking looking Ooh, forward to that. That I thing's know, gonna I'm gonna be. Get my hands on one of those. Me too, man. Looking forward to that. Uh, Norisa Game Calls, NorisaGameCalls.com. There is a couple of grunt tubes left in stock, guys. Uh, let's get those things sold. Get on over to NorisaGameCalls.com and get them in close. The cold weather's coming, man. There, it's time. It's time to have your grunt tube in your backpack and start thinking about that. It's only a couple weeks away before we're gonna be using those a ton. Uh, so get on over to NorisaGameCalls.com. Latitude, latitudeoutdoors.com. Still using the promo rope upgrade. Uh, just on your ropes, you can get, um, I think it's 25% off actually on the ropes uh, when you're doing the upgrade. And then you can actually use our promo code Outdoor Drive also uh, to get off on all the rest of the products that you are getting if you're not getting the ropes. Um, so make sure to get on over to latitudeoutdoors.com. Make sure to check out their stuff called The Grind. Uh, that's Great. super. 
The great. I'm doing good today, man. I thought I was doing good. You should hear the shit you said that I didn't correct you yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll get there. So the grit. Um, make sure to go check those guys out. Jake Bush and his podcast is doing pretty good too. You know, go and check those boys out over at Latitude Outdoors. And last but not least, Bow Hunters United, guys. Let me break this down for you guys real quick because I have just recently been informed that Bow Hunters United is now a free platform. You can get on there. There is no paid platform anymore. It is only a free platform where you can get on there and sign up for the advocates of the bow hunting world, guys. Make sure to get on over to Bow Hunters United and sign up ASAP. It's the most important thing. For us as bow hunters, um, for the things that are going on in the world, they, you know, they advocate for, you know, all the things in, you know, the higher up, the politics and all the good stuff that we like to talk about. Um, make sure to go and check those guys out, bowhuntersunited.com. Um, and, you know, make sure you get that stuff. So, are you signed up for Bowhunters United? think so yeah yeah i am too i was a paid partner well i was a paid one too but i (laughs) I should probably get on over there and check that stuff out so we're we're uh we're super pumped for that so oh all right now that i totally screwed up this whole entire intro you you got the bull hunters united one right that's good at least i got something right well here we go well guys let's get on over to west man with hunt to feed the hunters for the hungry um, super cool podcast, super cool concept. And like Steve said, if it's not pertaining to you here in the States, it can be pertaining to you. Um, maybe there's something in your state, if not, maybe something to reach out and kind of get things going in your state. Um, so let's turn this one over to West and, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Drive Podcast. All right, guys. We are back on the phone with West with Hunt to Feed. What's going on, man? Not too much, Trev. Thanks for having me. Steve, thanks for having me. This is really cool. Um, this has been like, what, six months in the making here. We met back in March and we've just been talking, staying in touch. And uh, yeah, you guys are doing me a huge favor here talking about venison donation. Yeah, man. We're actually looking forward to it because I think that it's something that's like, it's always in the back of my mind one of those things that like I think that the state needs and I didn't know that this was even a thing and when we, you know you approached us at our booth in Mohegan I was like oh this is super cool like this is this is what the state needs and I you know you see it a ton on a lot of the social media pages guys talk about you know hey what is there a hunt to feed or whatever or you know hunters for hungry is what we would call it right and yep. you don't you don't see much of it so it's good yeah. to, good to see I, that's so funny because I had the same reaction uh, going about a year ago. I was just watching some hunt filmers like yourselves and these guys down in Tennessee, they're talking about getting does and donating them to hunters for the hungry. And I'm like, what is that? That sounds cool. Like they get to donate venison and share that with people. So I started looking into it and I come to find out that there is no venison donation, no organized venison donation here in Connecticut. So I kind of looked into it a little deeper and I found out there was a program that did exist from like 2012, to 2016. Those guys were also 
known as Hunt to Feed. Um, but they had the same association that I do working with the NRA under the Hunters for the Hungry title. So um, I kind of called those guys. I called the NRA. I started asking around what's happening, what's the deal here. And uh, they just said, you know, time, place, money, it wasn't right. So they kind of disbanded their efforts in the program. And the NRA said, we're looking for somebody to start up in Connecticut. And I just kind of took it and ran with it. Um, I was excited by the idea that um, we could share venison with people, um, not only but then might not access venison daily, but they might not access food on the regular either. So uh, being able to help people that are in a tough spot, they suffer from hunger in general or food insecurity. Um, it was a big deal. And I just thought it was something that seemed like if you just brought the right people together, we'd be able to help out a lot of people here in Connecticut. All right. Great. Great podcast. Thanks for joining us. No. <laughs> He just went through like the the whole spectrum right off the rip, man. Let's uh That's let's it, yeah. let's wind it back, man. We'll 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 do it how we normally do right off the rip. Uh, why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do, man? <laughs> yeah, so my name is Wes Monbaron. Uh, I run Hunt to Feed here in Connecticut. We're a venison donation program, kind of like I mentioned. We're under the umbrella of Hunters for the Hungry, which a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, there were just no organized Hunters for the Hungry organization in Connecticut. So uh, that's what we're doing. We're participating in that and we're helping people donate uh, and get that venison uh, to people who need it. So so one of the questions, you know, like all day, you know, I was sitting and I'm like, all right, so we have Wes on today from Hunt to Feed, man. And what are some of the questions that, you know, I could ask or think about? So like my question to you would be like, what would be the beneficial thing to having a hunt to feed here in Connecticut like what would that do for the people of Connecticut or whatever the case may be yeah we're just trying to help people who struggle to make ends meet and uh, you know these are people that are pretty much choosing between paying rent and getting groceries on a weekly basis living paycheck to paycheck and um, you know if they can't get the hours on the job that they need you know they might have to go to a food bank find supplemental ways to get uh, their their nutrition essentially so um, so that's what we're able to do. Um, Connecticut is one of the states that has a lot of deer tags available to hunters. Um, so just kind of bringing those people together um, from the hunters to the butchers and being able to get this meat to Connecticut Food Share. That's who we're donating through and they're going to help us disperse that venison to the people who need it most. So so how would the people of of the area even be able to get that donation given to them? Like, I I just don't understand where it comes from or where it stems from. Yeah. So food share, we're leaving that up to food share. Um, pretty much right now I'm a one man army on this. So kind of got to pick my battles and uh, the fights that I'm willing to put up at this point in time. And, uh, the one thing that when I was looking into different food banks and who would be able to accept venison and, and how we can even get that out to the people, like you're saying, individual families, those who need it most, uh, it seemed like the efforts that Food Share is putting in and, and their connections and their ability to distribute food um, was the highest and the most efficient uh, from the people that I talked to. Um, so it's a little bit of a bigger operation. So, it's, you know, I don't have a town by town impact necessarily, but um, as a whole, we're able to help the people of Connecticut fast and we're able to do it with fresh venison. So um, that was pretty powerful. Um, when a hunter goes and they donate venison through a butcher they drop it off at a butcher and then i get a call hunt and food share will pick that up within three days of that deer being donated so uh 
that's going right out within a couple of days um, from freezer to family uh, in almost no time at all. That's crazy. So, so then where does, what does your organization hunt to feed have to do with that? You're the one that lines all this up and gets this all in motion. Yeah. We're the organizer more or less. Um, so we're bringing everybody together in the equation here. So, um, I've gone out and I made those relationships with the venison butchers that we still have here in Connecticut. I'm letting the hunters know that this is an option for their hunting season. They can go out, they can donate and where they can donate. Uh, again, through these butchers that I've made these relationships with and um, also brought food share into it all. So they know um, where the venison is going to be donated um, and where they can pick it up from once they receive that phone call. And then the missing piece to all that is money. So I'm out there trying to fundraise, uh, get some cash, a little bit of capital in there so we can pay for the processing costs. Because really the beauty of this whole program, besides being able to help people that need the food, is that the hunters are able to donate totally free it doesn't cost them anything other than the meat that they're putting on tables so um that's it man so just really bringing everybody together making sure that there's the pieces in place for the program to function and operate um from the money to the butchers to the outlet to get the food to the people so that's what we do at hunt to feed at this point i mean how many working butchers are you working with to to be part of the hunt to feed we have seven butchers that we're going to be working with for the 2023 season. Um, Connecticut's a little funky. Uh, there's not a whole lot of people butchering venison, uh, which is kind of disappointing. Um, but you know what I mean? I'm not here to, to really be down on that. I'm really proud of the people that we do have on board with us. Um, we have some people that do full carcass. So you just bring in your deer, feel dressed to them and they're able to handle it from there. We have a couple other butchers that are just doing boneless meat only. Uh, so it's a little bit of work for the hunter up front. Obviously, you got to bring that in um, deboned. But uh, on the flip side, you can bring in whatever quantity you, you choose to, depending on the butcher. And it allows you to keep the choice cuts at home. If you don't want to give away your backstrap, then you get to keep that in your freezer. And then you get to bring everything else in and we'll grind it all up, turn it into hamburger, and we'll donate that out. Is that the majority of it is all pretty much gone out in hamburger? Yeah, it's all going to go out in hamburger. Uh, it's been really interesting the things that I've learned on this journey to, to even get here um, to just a hunting season. Um, the way that people use meat and, and cook, and it's not the way that you or I might do it. Um, some people maybe have never grown up cooking, having home cooked meals. They might not know how to cook. So one of the easiest ways that we can get it to them is in the form of hamburger. Uh, and we also, we don't add any fat to that. No beef, no beef, no pork, no spices because you don't know what somebody's religious affiliation is. So we're just taking all that off the table, just going pure hamburg, just grind only. And uh, we're going to get it out to the people that way. So it has the farthest stretch of um, imaginable, you know? So I'm just, I'm blown away. Right. Because honestly, like, you know, like we were saying, like you don't hear about none of this, it's not really a thing. So it's, it's kind of crazy to me. And, and you don't really, I mean, probably just like you, Wes, you don't think about those things. You don't think about it because no. all of our hamburger, you put pork fat in or you put beef mm-hmm. fat in. You you know what I'm saying? That's like that's how you process your venison. So, like, having it go and just be ground to to give it to them and then whatever they decide to do with it because they, you know, they might not, they might not like it. So, my thing is, are the butchers giving you, like, is there like a reduced cost for you as hunt to feed 
to do it or you you have to pay the full price of what it, their processing would be it's a give and take uh honestly right now everybody's a little bit different it's whatever they need to go about their business i would say the majority have given me a discount uh even a couple bucks off the top which has been great you know what i mean the farther that we can stretch our fundraising the more people that we're able to help so um but i wouldn't say everybody is and i think a lot of that is about building trust you know this is our first hunting season so we have uh, a lot to prove we have to prove that we're reliable we have to prove that we can pay for this and we have to also prove that it's an easy process for these butchers to participate in so uh, i think through time we're going to be able to maybe get some reduced rates we're able to provide things back uh, especially to the butchers you know they're really the backbone of what we're doing um i've been sending out some emails today to some of our partners and uh, telling them we just got this program approved through, uh, they're called Ultrasource. They're a butcher supply company. And um, for doing what we do, they're able to give us our, they're able to give our butcher partners a small discount on certain things that they buy often and regularly, uh, like knives and boots and bags for, uh, for their meat. So, um, you know, just being able to give back in little ways to the butchers like that, hopefully they can see the value of working with us. Hopefully they can start working with Ultrasource, save a bunch of money on their back end, and uh, you know maybe find it in their hearts to turn it over to us on a little bit on the front side there. So that'd That's, be awesome. And and I mean they have to make a living too, but on the same token, oh, yeah. like they're giving it back, you know, to the community and what the community has. Now is this a obviously you know like through your social media and stuff you I've noticed that you like have gone to like bigger meetings with other corporation like a, the bigger the I guess the bigger picture of that, like, can you explain that and what that actually is that it's not just you in the Connecticut based area, that this is a, a global thing that's, that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So like we both alluded to earlier, you know, I work under the umbrella of hunters for the hungry through the NRA and uh, a bunch of us decided that in August we wanted to meet up. So we went down to San Antonio I'm still mad at whoever scheduled a meeting in San Antonio in August, but, uh, <laughs> man, it was 110 degrees down there. It was sweltering. It was unreal. It was unreal. But, uh, we, so there's 28 programs in total. Um, so 28 states participate in venison donation. Uh, only nine of us were able to make it down there. Uh, it was really, really interesting. Again, the things that you just learned from people that have been doing it, uh, states like Arkansas and Tennessee have been donating for going on 20 years. Um, so these programs are pretty ingrained. They, they do some interesting things, you know, between just being able to, um, bring in more venison to their program, fundraising and how they're able to get that out to their States and their local communities, really interesting stuff. Um, I, I learned a lot and learning from these guys that have experience was, uh, undoubted. It, it was priceless because coming up again, this is our first year. So we're taking all the information we can and we're trying to figure out how we can best apply that to what we're going to be doing here in Connecticut. So um, some really cool things that we learned down there in San Antonio. And one of the other interesting things was we got to actually tour a food bank. Um, the San Antonio food bank is one of the largest in the country, and they just built themselves a venison butchering facility on site. So they have people bringing venison directly to the food banks. The food banks are taking it in, they're processing it, and they're donating it to people that walk through their doors daily. So it's pretty awesome down there. So, this is this is kind of so it's kind of crazy my background is actually butchering right um been doing okay. it my entire life venison butchering so on and so forth right awesome where does 
and how do these states allow it without it being USDA approved or is there like a cleanliness aspect to this or how does this all work? Because, I mean, we all know and we talk about this stuff constantly as outdoorsmen, like not everybody treats their game the same way, right? So how right. do – what? where's the the – yeah, where is their preparation or or their prevention to having you know the cleanliness side of of the venison before it goes out to you know hunt to feed or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. It's one of the things that I've kind of struggled with because, um, you know, a lot of butchers in Connecticut, I would say ninety eight percent of them work strictly USDA only. Um, they don't mess with any wild game. Um, but here in Connecticut, it's written legally in the law that wild game can be donated for food um, if it's taken legally with a tag. Um, no roadkill. So that's a big misconception. Sometimes people get into an accident or they see a deer uh, get hit driving and they want to be able to donate that or find some way to make use of that, which is uh, a fantastic idea. But we just can't donate that as a food. Um, but you can take it personally and utilize it. Um, so as far as the butchering goes, one thing that we're doing here at Hunt to Feed um, is that we're only working with um, state inspected facilities. Okay. So facilities that do both USDA um, and, or, or, or sorry, if they do uh, USDA and wild game or they just do um, select cut and they are only doing um, specialty services such as venison and other wild game. Um, so that's kind of the route that we're taking right now. Um, really to, to cover everybody, you know what I mean? It's really not just about protecting us, but we want to protect the name of venison first and foremost. And we want to protect the people on the other end who don't have the opportunity to choose where their food comes from necessarily. So just because somebody can't choose where their food comes from, doesn't mean that we're going to give them a lower quality uh, cut, a lower quality inspection, lower quality treatment of that meat by any means. So uh, we're going through state inspected facilities only. And uh, that's kind of the path that we're taking for right now. And uh, maybe that'll change in the future, but yeah, inspection is a big deal for what we're doing. That's, you know, that's kind of, so they're registered with the state and state inspected then. Yeah. As, as custom cut wild mm -hmm. game. Okay. All right. Yes. So it's not yeah, just a, a mom and pop garage style. Like it is a registered yeah, with yeah. the state. And exactly. And that's been, um, it's been good. You know, I, I'm happy about that. that that's a decision I've tried, decided to make for this year. Um, but it is a little heartbreaking. I've had a lot of butchers reach out to me through Facebook and just guys that do it, you know what I mean? They have notoriety in their communities and they're respected mm -hmm. amongst their peers. And they say, you know, I've been doing it for 30, 40, 50 years and I have a good reputation, all this stuff. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. If I want my meat processed by you, I will bring it to you personally, you know, but for the sake of the program, the name of venison and, and the people on the end that are receiving the meat, we're going through inspected facilities strictly. So no, that's the deal for this and, year. And that's obviously super important, right? And like that saves your business. Yeah. It saves, you know, down the line and all the things that come from it. And it's not really that hard to be inspected, right? Like it's, there's a couple of things in hoops that you have to jump through to, to have it, you know, prim and proper and in the food grade, but it's not, it's of not course. all that difficult, right? Like, there is professional, you know, professional ways to do and go about that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it seems that um, more than anything, the people who are they're certified, they're inspected, and they're doing USDA only. A lot of that, honestly, the talk is that 
hunters are really difficult to work with or the one-off situation, you know, some guy showing up with a, with a deer, it's got leaves and sticks in the body cavity and they're throwing it on the table at nine o'clock at night. And they're saying, how fast can you get it back to me? And then they think that they're, you know, 150 pound deer is going to give them 150 pounds of meat, you know? So it's a lot of that stuff on the back end that makes uh, processing in Connecticut kind of difficult. And, you know, I shouldn't say Connecticut only, that's a nationwide issue right. that everybody struggles with. And, um, you know, so I really feel for butchers in that regard. So um, the folks that we do still have processing venison and working with us, like I can't tell you how thankful I am for them. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I would, I'll recap on that. Like a lot of people do realize that they or they think that because they brought a 150 pound animal that they're going to get 150 pounds of meat left. I mean, or, or in return. In all reality, it's only a 60 percent return or sometimes yeah, less. Yeah, I mean, at best, I mean, we're kind of looking at it and we're thinking for the most part, each deer is going to turn out on average 35 to 40 pounds with no fat in it, you know, so um, that's kind of what we're expecting to get from each year that we process this year. Yeah, I didn't even think about that because you're adding a 10% of fat in, you know, on top of it, if you were to do it with pork or beef fat, so then you're adding even more into it or like we like to do you know sausage or kibasa that's a 50 percent increase in weight when you're trying to do something like that so you're probably you're probably right there and they're probably going to donate does or whatever the case may be so you're going to be on the smaller side so and in all reality i mean how i mean 30 and 40 pounds of meat i mean it's going to go pretty far but it's not all that far i mean if everybody takes 10 pounds that's only that's only four people that you're going to be or four families that you're going to be able to feed with such a thing yeah, you know, being the ambitious person I like to think I am, I was getting excited thinking about, oh, we can throw fat in here, we can stretch this meat out, we can help more people, it'll go further. And then as I started learning kind of the ins and outs of being able to donate meat and, and help people, I was like, oh, yeah, we can't put any fat in this. So, um, yeah, you know, the the typical serving is still um, one quarter pound of meat per person is considered a meal. So, you know, we're on the end of getting up to 160 pounds per deer, uh, or sorry, 160 meals per deer. And um, our ultimate goal for this year is to raise just over 5,000 meals. Um, so we're looking somewhere between 32 to 40 deer. Um, that would be our goal for this year. Um, you know, 5,000 meals and, and however many deer that takes. So um, really looking forward to try to achieve that. What do you, so, so, what do some of these other states like what is an average year for them in in how much venison they're taking in and providing back to the hunters of the hungry uh i mean it it can vary drastically um there's a lot of really big programs out there doing really big things uh arkansas kansas tennessee pennsylvania those are four monster states um those guys are doing hundreds of thousands of meals they have budgets in the hundreds of thousands of dollars um it's a huge operation and a bunch of them also work um through state organizations also so um they're backed by state programs they have some state funding um so it ends up being um a real machine of a program uh, if you will so uh we're not there yet by any means Mm -hmm. um you know this is our year one but it's exciting to look at those states and see that's the possibility that's what we could really be doing and there's no reason that we can't get there um you know between fundraising and uh spreading the word doing things like this talking to guys like you trev 
and um, it, it's going to help us get there. But um, yeah, it's going to take time. It's going to take hard work. And uh, so eventually we're going to have bigger goals. You know, I would love to be able to get involved with the state and get some state funding. And um, that's kind of one of the things that I'm learning a lot about right now is being able to get some funding uh, and be able to stretch this program and our ability to process deer. So I think that like, to be honest, and this is my own opinion and being here my entire life and so on and so forth, I think that like you have a complete and utterly gold mine here. Like as far as the whole Hunters for Hungry here in Connecticut, A, because of the number of deer that we're allowed to take here in this in a oh, season. Yeah. So and and you think about like a state like Pennsylvania. We'll we'll call that for one, right? There's maybe a lot more people, but they can't take a quarter of the amount of deer that we can take in this state. Like exactly. with, with all of our tags, I mean, we're over a dozen deer if you take all of your seasons. And that's not included in the southern zones of 11 and 12 where it's an earn a buck, you know, and an un- virtually an unlimited tags where you can turn around a lot of venison in this state. Like, it's not that hard, you know, because you can take so many animals um, on, you know, in a season basis. So, like, I think it's honestly a gold mine there in, in that aspect of it. And then the second aspect I think that would be is that because there isn't anything like that and there is a lot of poverty, I think, you know, like, so I think that something like that, I don't think that it would be very far-fetched to get the state to be involved in something like that where they have that those those type of avenues or at least connect you with some of the people that may be able to do something yeah yeah it's a yeah it's about building those connections right now and really seeing how far we can take it i agree that there's so much opportunity here i mean that's one of the things that made my eyes light up when i saw that there was no venison program in connecticut um you know like you said there's you can get over a dozen tags per hunter in this Mm -hmm. state and last year there was over forty-two thousand hunting permits issued in the state of connecticut um and a hair over ten thousand deer were harvested in return for that so you know obviously there's not a lot of people out there getting probably a a dozen deer out there it's probably few and far between if you're not doing crop damage but um there's guys that are out there getting two three four five six deer you know and it's they're giving it to their friends their families they're helping to feed people but i think for for guys like to spend time in the woods they have tags to burn they have um, the implements to do it all with, you know what I mean? There's a lot of opportunity out there and, uh, it makes me excited to think about what we can accomplish. And like you said, you know, getting the state on board and, uh, how we can participate in things that they have going on. We've been talking to the state a bit and, uh, you know, even things like being able to work with the environmental police, um, you know, the modern day game warden and even taking poached deer and being able to turn that into a donation. Um, we're looking at even getting deer from, airport Collins, you know what I mean? Bradley and some of the other airports in the state, they got to take deer off their properties. So are we able to help those guys and give them an outlet to be able to donate that venison in return? I got a plan. You can get me and Steven on the coal hunts and then we'll donate the deer to hunt to feed. That's it, man. I'm on board. I know more. You're, you guys are on board. You're part of the team. No. Um, and, and, and just like that, like, I think that there's a lot of avenues that they do do here in the state that could potentially roll into what you're trying to do and, and kind of boost that. Like I, I'm, I'm all for it. Cause I think it's a great thing. Like I constantly, and guys that we don't have a lot, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but I don't see like 
like our state is not always like a destination state where like guys are like just no, coming here nice. to hunt. So like I know like when I destination hunt, I'm always donating my stuff to like local churches or whatever the case may be because it's mm-hmm. 10 times more work for us to get it back home. You know? It is. It it really is. And and that's the other thing is like food banks in churches, they can they can take that stuff and they normally like Tennessee is one of the states. So what what ended up happening? I shot a pretty big buck in Ohio. The uh, Bones, who I was with, Eric, he then donated – he took the meat. I paid to process it, and then he took the meat and then donated it to his church. But, like – Amazing. But what are you supposed to do with it? Like, I can't bring all of that stuff home. Like, it's just easier to do it. So you almost wish that we were more of a destination state so that we – Yeah, in situations like that, for sure. Yeah, I know. But uh, it's uh, – it, it definitely becomes more complex, too, as you get out west and you start dealing with CWD and the complications of that causes for donating you know we're really fortunate um donations aside that we don't have cwd here um you know i know the state's out there testing for it and yeah yeah exactly knock on wood um you know it's not going to stop us Uh, fingers crossed you know hopefully it takes another decade Mm -hmm. maybe never to get here you know but i think inevitably this the conversation is going to be around cwd in connecticut um and it's not going to stop us from donating. It's just going to help us um, manage it. And maybe we can be a proponent for how to safely manage and harvest venison when CWD is in the population. So, um, but you're right when you're out West and you're um, you're hunting some of those bigger States, it's, it gets complicated from where you can harvest a deer from where you have to have a process. What are the restrictions from taking it out of state or out of County and just kind of what that means for, um, programs under the hunters for the hungry program and their ability to intake venison in some of those places for sure so what ends up happening when it is a cwd state is there special precautions that end up having to be taken to try and do it and the only reason i ask this is that our listener base is not solely just in in connecticut or the northeast so that's why i kind of bring this up so that guys may not they they might they might not directly be affected or be able to donate to you know your organization but they very well could donate to another organization that maybe they don't know about so that's why i'm asking Mm -hmm. uh to the best of my knowledge right um cwd is being treated the same way for all meat whether it's going to be donated or it's for personal use and it seems like basically uh, the deer is being tested. The test period is, um, it, it goes through the processing. And once they find out uh, if it is CWD positive or negative, then they're going to go through and either uh, process that deer if it's negative or they're going to dispose of it uh, if it's positive. So um, that's pretty much the case if it's personal or if it's a donation uh, across all the states treated the same. So so CWD cannot be consumed by humans? Is that the deal? Yeah, so... Yeah. So, you know, there's probably somebody out there who's eating a deer with CWD, but, um, as far as we know, um, it hasn't been, it hasn't been passed from deer to human, but the concern is that CWD is a prions disease, which is the same thing as mad cow. And, uh, we do know, uh, the very serious negative side effects of getting mad cow in humans. Um, so that is like the overall, uh, word on the street is basically, um, yeah, if you get a deer and it's positive for CWD, um, it's being very clearly stated that you should not consume it by any means. 
And uh, I think they're burning all the deer, the bones, the meat. They're lighting that on fire at like 1900 degrees or something like that, because that's the temperature it takes to kill those prions. Um, and yeah, keep it out from any kind of landfill. Even, you know, that's the other thing is you don't want skunks, raccoons, birds, digging that up and dropping the bones and the carcass in another situation where it can get into the water supply. Now deer get it. Now it's passed on to humans, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, some of these places are really, they're torching that meat and that carcass. That's crazy. Cause that makes a lot more sense now because like when we would, so Connecticut being one of those States that like, and where it directly affected me was taxidermy was like, yeah, you can't, can't take in from other States that are CWD States or unless mm-hmm. it had a clean skull cap or, or deboned. And that's, and that goes along with guys who travel. Like there's a ton of people yeah. that will travel to other States that are CWD States and then come back with carcass or bone or even the, the head and then bring it back to our state and they don't have it deboned or debrained. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people don't even know that, that if you do go to those states, you have to have that to be able to travel across state lines. And they they don't play very well with that. Like, they, they're very strict about it. Like, if you get stopped with a, with a carcass and it's in, coming from a CWD state or tagged in a CWD state, they don't take that very lightly. Like, that's a yeah. huge no-no. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, they're trying to keep that in check and they're trying to keep – um, their contaminated populations in certain areas so they know how to control it where to test the the most and most often and all that stuff and um, you know that's the whole reason Connecticut doesn't allow for natural buck scent anymore and doe urine uh, all that stuff has to be artificial because the chances that you could get it from a CWD deer from another state wherever they're harvesting that from and so everything's had to go artificial here in Connecticut if you do use those scents and those sprays I think a lot of states are starting to go to that too, where it's non-synthetic. Oh, I mean, it's only synthetic, um, mm-hmm. and no natural scent. And I'm by every, you know, who knows? You know what I'm saying? I mean, most of that scent and stuff does come off of a deer farm a lot of the times. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's where it comes from. But you're right. If it does come from a CWD, because the guys will like complain a bit. Oh well, I'll just take the the real stuff and I'll put it in a synthetic bottle. But like, you're not helping the cause. Like, if you are the spread of that, there's a problem. Like, yeah, you- yeah. I mean, it's really about the the health of the, the deer populations here and um, the hoops that we have to jump through to mm-hmm. eat it and consume that at the end of the day. So, um, I get you know, real stuff is always better, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. But um, it's it's really about maintaining the health of the deer that we have here in Connecticut. Is EHD an effective thing for you too? Because like we, we've had EHD run throughs through the state. Uh, what is EHD? Uh, hemorrhagic disease. It is not, um, transferable to humans. Um, so that's something that even if the deer had it, um, I think they almost die in like 24 hours. Yeah. Once they start some symptoms, they die very quickly. Um, but yeah, it's not something that's transmissible to humans. And it's not something whereas like with CWD, it's a prion disease that's in the okay. category of something that's highly deadly. Um, if uh, you were contaminated with it. Um, but yeah, I don't remember. So then it's obviously not an effect. Was. It's not an effect in like the hunt to feed aspect of it then. No, it, it, no, it hasn't come into play. Um, 
the one thing that we're all we are on the lookout for uh is bovine tuberculosis um that's a little bit more dangerous uh, people can get that people can get tuberculosis from that um but that has really obvious symptoms they're spotting inside the respiratory cavity um so if that was brought into the butcher again another reason not saying anybody is or isn't, but we know that these butchers are um, checking out their carcasses for uh, for signs of disease. So um, that's another reason why we've picked the butchers that we have chosen to work with as well. Is there other lists of stuff that they look for, or is that that's pretty much it? The tuberculosis, CWD, so on and so forth. Yeah, CWD is the big one, um, and this doesn't really apply to us at all. But if you want to know what the state is looking for in general, uh, the state is also testing deer skulls for COVID. Um, COVID has been found in deer, the same strain that affects us, but, um, I don't think there's any like transmissible or relatable, um, you know, pathogenic, you know, whatever there. So, um, as far as I know, they're testing for it. I think it's more of like a, a study, um, that's being executed on a national level. Um, but it's not anything that they're concerned people are or aren't eating, um, meat that's been contaminated by COVID. It's got nothing to do with that. Wes, there's your funding right there. They stopped testing for COVID. There's your funding. We found the, the state funding from the state for Hunt to Feed right there. Stop testing. That's what I was thinking of, you know, it, that was their big thing last year. And, and uh, maybe this year, their big push can be donating venison with Hunt yeah. to Feed. That would be fantastic. Money's yeah. out there. It doesn't yeah. matter being able to find it. <laughs> not the not not testing deer for covid like should we have to wear a mask then because deer potentially could have covid like do we have to sit in our tree stand with a mask on or if you're shooting your deer from less than six feet away i got other questions how you got on that close <laughs> i think you're using that uh that organic urine that's <laughs> <laughs> truthful <laughs> sorry i had to go there <laughs> oh yeah yeah, you have to. Um, is there other things that you know guys should know about the hunt to feed and donation, so on and so forth, that you have? Yeah, I mean, I can't stress enough that it's a free program for hunters. It doesn't cost you anything other than bringing the deer in, tagged, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really their contribution. We pay for all that processing, and we handle the uh, the, the pickup and the delivery of the meat to uh, the food bank. So um, it's really just them getting it um, to a butcher that we're working with. So, um, right now I would say most of the, the butchers that we're working with, uh, are in the Eastern part of the state, a couple up in the Northern part of the state. Um, we're really lacking. And if there's any butchers listening to this, if you're in the Fairfield County, New Haven County, um, please reach out. We're really looking for support down there. Um, we're looking for some creative means to maybe work with some people that are in those regions to be able to get deer from them. Because like you said, those are zones 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. They can hunt through January 31st. They can do earn a buck. There's a lot of deer in that part of the state that we would love to um, help donate. So that's big on our list uh, to be able to get a working butcher down there. And, you know, fingers crossed. One thing that I'm really trying to get into later this year, maybe around Thanksgiving, you know, sometime in gun season, um, I would love, I'm trying to get a refrigerated truck and I'm going to sit with it somewhere down there during uh during a friday saturday and see if i can have people bring in those parts of the states especially have them bring their deer to my refrigerated truck and at the end of the day i'm going to bring it to one of our preferred preferred butchers who's a little bit out of their driving range so um that's something that we're looking to do this year so uh just trying to get creative and, and open opportunities for everybody to participate and um 
you know, we're, we're limited to where our butchers are, but that doesn't mean that there's solutions out there for us to be able to help and, and um, be helped. So. And I mean, a lot of the people that want to donate, they're going to go out of their way anyways, because they're in it for the right reasons, right? So they're going to drive a little bit further to bring those deer to wherever they need to be brought to and, and so on and so forth. But like, the more, the easier that you make it, the more people you will get donations, right? I mean, like, that's just... It's- it's about proximity and convenience, you know, absolutely. Everybody that I've talked to has been extremely supportive and uh, excited about the program. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've all been there. We're dragging a deer out of the woods 30 minutes before sundown. We still haven't ate dinner. You know, we got bloody clothes on. We got to figure out what's going on, you know, and like you get it back to your truck and you're like, I got to drive this an hour and 15 minutes each way. You know what I mean? And so it kind of makes you stop and think and reconsider what your priorities are for that day. And, uh, you know, I'm like this too, you know, I get that deer home and I'm like, I'm just going to butcher it. You know, it's going to go in my fridge and, uh, the next one I'll donate the next one I'll donate, you know? So, um, you know, we're trying to make it as easy as possible, as convenient as possible. But, uh, like I said, this is year one of hunt to feed. We're learning, we're growing our funding. We're trying to extend our reach as much as we possibly can to make this easy for these hunters. But, um, the one thing that we'll, we're doing this year and that we'll always strive to do is that we're going to offer free processing for these hunters who can donate and they can bring their deer to the butcher. So my understand, like, so this is kind of where it kind of gets like convoluted for me, right? Where you, so you can donate your deer to be given away to like hunters for the hungry, but like, and I was surprised at this, right? When I had first talked to you about it, like, cause it's illegal to sell venison and then like you don't see it in like it's tough to get but you can then donate it so like i didn't understand like that whole transaction aspect of it yeah it's a weird uh gray area i I would agree with you there and i don't you know i I don't understand the legislation behind that you know that's obviously that's going on like a federal level i Mm -hmm. believe um and so that's kind of why you know Yes, I operate under Hunters for the Hungry, but I'm hunt to feed here in Connecticut. Every state has their own rules and laws and regulations about how they treat wild game. So just because of the way that we're handling it here in Connecticut is not the same way somebody can handle it in Pennsylvania. It's not necessarily the same way somebody can handle it in Idaho, you know, so it's always different. So um, there's we're not just one program. We're unified, but we all have different ways that we have to be able to um proceed and move forward in our own states and so the way that it is in connecticut it's uh, again legally written into the law that venison can be donated wild game can be donated um as a food source so um you know like you said we can't sell it which is fine Mm -hmm. you know we're just here to, to give it away to the people that um can make the best use of it and you know again the the metrics are are crazy you know the amount of hunters that we have for the amount of deer tags that we can get um it's it seems like there's endless possibility for us to be able to to, to make use of that venison yeah and it, i i was just bringing it back up like the fact that it's free that it's you know that you don't have to worry about it and it can be donated and it's only as simple as a tag like you have to have your tag you can bring it to the the designated butchers mm-hmm. and then it will be processed and dealt with you don't ever have to see it on or deal with it ever again yeah, exactly. You just show up at the butcher, you say, I'm donating this through Hunt to Feed, and they have everything in place to be able to handle that and take it from there. Um, and, and that's it. 
All right, let's get off the business aspect for a second, Wes. Let's hear a little bit about you and why. What is the whole deal with why you want to do this? Like, what is what what was like your goal in this, or what was like that triggering moment for you to why you even wanted to be part of this? Because obviously, this is a ton of work. This is not an easy thing for you to do. Like having to go above and beyond to have to get this thing up and rolling and off its feet. I mean, I got into hunting. I was not born and raised by a hunter, you know, so like hunting is something that I found myself and I got into it because I wanted the meat. I wanted to be associated with, um, you know, where my food came from and how it was processed and handled and all that stuff. Like I thought that was so important to me um, and for myself. And it, it was really like, you know, my first day out in the woods, I just fell in love with hunting. Like it wasn't even like I grew on me kind of thing. I mean, that first day sitting in the tree stand, the wind blowing, you're swaying back and forth and you're listening to the woods come to life and you're just anticipating, anticipating, anticipating. When is this deer going to walk by? And then you don't see anything for hours, you know? And then you're like, oh crap, I got to do it again tomorrow because that deer's going to come tomorrow. I got to be out here. And I, it just hooked me so fast. And then you get that first deer and you're like, oh, it tastes even better than you think. And it, that alone excites me. And so I wanted to be able to provide that in some way, shape or form. Uh, to other people. And so when I saw that there was no venison donation program here in Connecticut, I just thought, why not me? You know, Mm -hmm. somebody should do it. And, you know, maybe I'm stupid enough to just dive in head first and just say, let's see what's under here. And, you know, I'm going to open that door and, and see how do we do this? What can we figure out? And, you know, if I help one person, it's, it's, I don't know, it's better than me not doing anything at all. So I think, we'll have opportunities to help a couple hundred families this year, maybe a couple thousand people, you know, on the low end. So we're just going to see how it goes. And uh, yeah, it'll just be one donation at a time. We're going to grind away pun intended. And uh, (laughs) we're going to come out at the end of the season. We're going to put out our numbers, our metrics, and we're going to say, okay, that's what we did in year one. How do we continue to tell people the successes that we had this year, tell the stories of the Mm -hmm. people who, felt good about donating and felt great about receiving the meat on the other end and even tell the story of some of the butchers who helped us get there and uh i think that'll take us um you know running through into year two and um we're gonna just keep telling those stories and we're gonna do more fundraising do more outreach uh hopefully see you guys at some more shows uh all that stuff and just continue to uh to grind away and will be an overnight success in 10 years, maybe, you know? Absolutely. So, so what made you get into hunting? Like, how did you even go about it? If you weren't, if you didn't grow up around it, like what was your, what was your path into it? Uh, just like podcasts and videos and friends. I had a couple buddies who were hunting and they grew up in that situation where dad hunted and grandfather did, you know, it was like passed down through them. And those guys really took me under their wing and really took me out into the woods and showed me how to do it. And, uh, I've always had a love for being outside and um, identifying trees, hiking, and and kind of just being outdoors. And so it was kind of natural for me to fall in line and be like, this is just the progression of, you know, loving the outdoors is really uh, appreciating the deer to this level that I can bring it into my home and, and enjoy it for dinner, you know? All right. I guess there's no better time. We might as well <laughs> ask the question now, man. What drives you outdoors, Wes? I think it's the peace and quiet sometimes, man, it's, it's beautiful out there. And, uh, if you really listen, you can hear all kinds of things that you don't hear in your day to day. It's, uh, it's just a nice space. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I could get down with that. (laughs) It's simple. You go outside and you just take a nice breath of fresh air and you just listen. You hear all kinds of things. I guess as you get older, like that reset is totally different. Like why, what, what makes you want to go in the woods is different. You know, as the years progressively get on, like when I was a young kid, it was just to kill. I just wanted to kill everything that walked. Like it didn't matter to me. Like I just wanted to kill everything, you know? And then now as you progressively get older, you're just like, this isn't that bad. And then I would make fun of my dad because he would just want to take pictures of everything. And now I'm starting to become that person. And I'm like, no, don't be that guy, you know? And yeah, it's just you true. more with your camera than you and your, your bow and your gun, you know? It's so true, man. It's so true. Yeah, this, this morning, man, I got to watch the stars turn into a sunrise and, you know, hear the birds wake up and the squirrels are chittering around and, you know, every time a squirrel moves, I think it's a deer, but you know what? I'm out there just, you know, taking it all in and, it's just the coolest feeling in the world to be out there and see that transition. And then you're like, Oh man, there's not a lot going on out here. And that's nice. It, it really is. It just, it just calms you down, man. And just keeps you moving. It on. sure does. Wes, is there, is there a website or anything that anybody can go and look and find the list of butchers or kind of follow along with what's going on or how they could donate or any of the, you know, the fundraisers or stuff that you're doing to try and raise money if somebody did want to try and get involved and donate? Yeah, we got all that information on hunttofeed.org.org. Um, so, yeah, if you can go on our website, you can find uh, – all the butchers that we're working with and where they're located in Connecticut, how to get to them, give them a call. If you need to, if you got questions about how to donate or you can give me a call too. my information's all on the website. You can reach out to me at hunt feed at gmail.com. Uh, or you can follow us on Facebook at hunt to feed also and Instagram hunt to feed CT. Um, you know, trying to post pretty regular updates, keep people informed about who our butchers are and, um, yeah, any questions, people have been reaching out to me directly, and I'm so excited when I hear from everybody, so it's been awesome. Have you already started to get donations taken in already since the season has already opened? or I have not, but um, which, I, you know, I, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to post about that first year. I'm so excited. Um, but I have paid a couple butchers cash already from guys that I know who are doing either crop damage uh, or they're big-time hunters, and they're just saying, it doesn't matter when I get that first year if it's, you know, September 15th, or if it's November 14th, I'm taking that deer in my bow and I'm bringing it right in for donation. So, um, I prepaid some butchers already. So we kind of have everything just spring loaded, ready to go. And we're looking forward to these guys having a lucky day in the woods and bringing some meat to the butcher. Hmm. I guess that's more of a reason. I might have to go hunting tomorrow morning. No. <laughs> Get out there, man. Get out there. <laughs> Love it, dude. Well, <laughs> Wes, is there anything that you want to finish with or that we didn't kind of touch on before we kind of close the doors or. I don't think so. I, I think we really went over everything. I mean, again, the base of the program is that we're here, we're taking Connecticut deer, we're donating it to Connecticut residents in need. And, uh, you know, the hunters get to donate for free. It doesn't cost them anything. And, um, you know, we're just bringing people together and helping people out. So it's, uh, that's kind of as simple as it gets for us. And, uh, you know, we, I appreciate you guys for having us on. Uh, thank you, Trev. Thank you, Steve. And uh, appreciate everybody listening. And I hope that even if you're listening from out of state, uh, you get online, find a local venison donation program in your state, and uh, you can find a way to participate if you have a good season in the woods yourself. Awesome, man. Wes, we really appreciate you joining us, dude. We will definitely do our best to donate. You know, I might just have to go on a hunt just to do so. I think it's a great yeah, thing. Do. 
it's great to see. It's something that I definitely want to involve myself around a little bit more um, and try and help out as long as, you know, passing the word on and kind of getting it out there because I believe in it. I think it's a great thing, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see the growth as it as it progressively uh, grows throughout the season. So, Thank you. Thank you for supporting us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Wes, thanks for joining us, and for everybody else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.